This episode of our podcast is brought to you by Doolaban Insurance. If you live in Ontario, Canada, and are looking for the best price and coverage for your Tesla, give Doolaban a call at 1-855-385-4226 or visit their website at doolabaninsurance.com slash Tesla. Hey everyone, it's time for the Tesla Owners Online Podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Page. Joining me this evening are my usual hosts, Ian Pavelko and Eric Camacho. Guys, how you doing? Doing very well. Good evening, everyone. Hello, world. Hello, world. Um, kind of a funny week this week. Uh, not a lot of Tesla news going around. I mean, we do have t- three or four articles to talk about, but I thought we would just kind of go over them very quickly and maybe spend a little bit of time before we get to viewer and listener questions and just talk about something that, I mean, obviously that's everybody's lips these days, and I don't think that really gets enough love, is uh, Tesla service and whatever experiences have been with Tesla service. So for those of you who might be new to the podcast or coming to the channel for the first time, you may have questions about Tesla service. Well, uh, we're going to talk about our firsthand experience with it, uh, both good and bad or whatever you know the case may be, um, so that it might help you out. So... Uh, the first thing we want to talk about tonight is just a little bit of Tesla news. Um, there was an article that came out, and this is courtesy by the guys at autocar.co. Uh, That's a great website, by the way. Uh, by the way, as usual, all of the links for everything we talk about will be in the podcast description, so you guys can go and read it on your own. But anyways, this article came out, and it was uh, kind of interesting because they um, had an opportunity to talk to some of the Model 3 Tesla engineers, and there's some really interesting stuff that came about um, from some of this. So I'm just going to gloss over some of the stuff. Um, you guys, like I said, can certainly read it in the article. But they um, they basically said that, um, in a nutshell, that, see, most manufacturers these days spend most of their times developing a platform or an architecture. But when it came to the Tesla Model 3 design, they started with a first principles um, idea, which is basically start over from scratch. Um, you know, Tesla is one of these companies, they're, they're not one to sit still, right? They're always working on stuff. So basically, they took whatever five or six years worth of experience building the S and the X, well, less less the X, more the S, um, and basically threw it all into the Model 3. So there's a lot of stuff that came out of this. So um, we know how great the Model 3 is, but until we talk about some of this stuff, you probably won't really appreciate how really good it really is. Um, the first point that they started with was uh, tire design, believe it or not. So Tesla was working with um, uh, several different manufacturers of tires um, in order to get the um, uh, the tread patterns right, the compounds right. Um, the, the development of the Model 3 started in 2015, but they spent uh, something like three years developing these tires. Um, so they say that the bulk of the mass of an EV is usually located lower than a nice power car. We know that because that's where the battery is really low. And as a result, there's less vertical force buildup through the outside pair of tires to generate grip when they corner. Now, Ian can certainly speak to some of this stuff because he's a tire expert. Um, so to tackle that, they said that Tesla focused on tread stiffness, developing new compounds to deliver the desired combination of cornering grip and low rolling resistance. Low rolling resistance is, is pretty common in the EV world these days. Everybody's developing new tires for that. Um, and we also know, of course, that the tires are also filled with a sound-absorbing foam on where the tread pattern is on the inside of the tire to help suppress the noise. Um, they also go on to say, and I'll bring up some, uh, I got some, uh, some pictures here that I pulled up from the article. Here we go. Um, they also say that each rear wheel has six degrees of freedom. So there's five links. So if you've ever looked at the back of the Model 3, you'll see all these different bars and stuff. So it's a multi-link suspension. So there's five links and one damper similar, uh, similar to a double wishbone. But the links have been split to give better control over the forces transmitted through the tire's contact patch. 
There's another picture here of some of the other stuff that's going on. The uh, Tesla also developed sacrificial links. So they're designed to snap the front wheel and, suspen um, and suspension takes, uh, takes the hit. So that allows the wheel to rotate around a third link, moving the wheel outside of the body and pushing the car, the occupants, and the batteries away from the point of impact. So safety is more than just crumple zones in this point. It's actually um, you know, part of the suspension system. Um, they also say that the additional motor in the all-wheel drive variant sits on two mounts in the, in the V. Here's the picture of it here, if I can bring it up. There you go. So you can see those two Vs at the top. Um, where was I here? Uh, ta -ta -ta, yeah. So that's on the subframe, and, they, and, that, um, and that motor will pivot backwards um, into the void uh, in the event of a collision. So uh, quite interesting there. Um, the other imp interesting stuff, too, is that the system, or the, the, um, the steering mechanism, the Model 3, has full redundancy with uh, separate power feeds taken directly from the high-voltage battery, two electronic tr control modules, and two inverters providing hot backup if one of them fails. I think part of this is, I think, and I can't confirm this 100%, but obviously down the future when they want to do the robo-taxi thing, a little bit of redundancy on not only the computer part doing the computing, but also yeah. the steering is quite critical for this stuff, right? That's exactly what's going on there. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. Um, the other thing, too, was quite interesting, and I didn't know this, but um, we know that Tesla has actually put four-pot or four-piston calipers on the Model 3, but they also uh, designed special um, piston seals that allows the brake pads after braking, so the actual piston caliper, uh, pistons, to actually retract into the body so that the... the uh, brake pads never actually touch the rotors unless the car is actually braking. So that cuts the drag and it boosts the available driving range. That I didn't know. I thought that was actually quite fascinating. I don't know of any other EV on the market that actually does that. So a lot of this stuff really at the end of the day really boils down to how much more efficient the Model 3 is compared to everything else. Um, they also go on to say that the brake discs themselves have been designed to last for the life of the car about 150,000 miles. And uh, rust has also been looked after as well. And this is something that's bothering me um, on the S and the X because if I wash my car and literally as soon as I'm done washing the car, you can actually see the rust. It's like Homer Simpson's beard. You know, it just, <laughs> it just, you can see it happening in front of your eyes. Um, so they've developed some new anti-corrosion techniques to prevent that on the Model 3. So I want to have a discussion about this. What do you guys think? I mean, it's, it's, I think it's quite fascinating how deep the rabbit hole how, how deep they went down in the rabbit hole for the design on the Model 3. It's more than just safety. It's more about the systems. It's just they looked at literally every aspect of this car. And then it just gives me, a, a, I think, personally, it gives an even better appreciation of what the car really is. Oh, yeah, 100%. There was a lot of juicy little tidbits. Of course, I glommed on to all the tire stuff. And it doesn't surprise me in the slightest exactly what they described. The fact that they went with a stiffer tread block uh, for the reasons... Uh, that they give in order to get um, to, to better mitigate the fact that there's not as much weight transfer in that chassis. The other thing too is with an EV, it, they really chew up tread blocks. Period. Not just the Model Three, but anything with an electric motor delivers such an instantaneous torque. And that's why you have Goodyear and a couple other companies now that are working on EV-specific tires, not just that are you know low rolling resistance that are very efficient, but resist that wear. You know that instant like just you know tire shredding torque that they produce. So you're, <laughs> you're going to see a lot of um, small changes in the types of tread blocks, the types of siping and things like that uh, coming forward. There is a downside to this though. And I know um, a number of Model 3 owners that live in Northern climates who've tried to use both the OEM um, Michelin MXM4s and the um, 
the Contis that come stock on the 19 inch. Uh, they're not spectacular in the snow. And unfortunately, that's one of the trade-offs. When you make the tread block too stiff, when you lose uh, tread mobility, the, the trade-off is they're less forgiving on icy and snowy surfaces. So that's why you probably want to switch to a different type of all-season tire if you're getting very light winters. Of course, for anybody who gets a significant amount of snow, well, we don't care because we're going to be putting on a, a real winter tire anyway. But that's part of what's going on is because these tires, I mean, they were sort of semi-off-the-shelf designs, but they were heavily tweaked for the Model 3. It's not unusual. It's, it's a specific part number that only Tesla gets. So it, it reminds me a lot of the BMW i3. So anybody with an i3 knows they have the very skinny, low-resistant tires, but there's only like two manufacturers that make these things. So they tend to be a little bit pricier. So. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, it just goes to show that they, they spent a lot of time on this. It's, it's funny because the winter tire thing just came up in conversation. Uh, I have a neighbor who lives, oh, I don't know, maybe 10 doors down. He's around the corner and stuff. And he always comes over and he says, hey, Trev, you know, I'm, you know, I'm going to order a Model 3 in about two weeks' time. I said, well, please use my referral code. But beside that, <laughs> beside the point, he was asking about winter tires. And, and I said, because he's just going to order a, an, an, uh, a basic SR Plus. And he was asking, well, what should I do for, for winter? I said, winter tires, man makes all the difference in the world. You'll, you'll find the car is going to behave better than any other car you've driven just because of the low center of gravity. Get some good winter tires on that thing, like some hack leaders or whatever you can get. I mean, nobody really makes a bad winter tire these days anymore. Um, get a good set of uh, rims on it, and off you go. You're going to love the car in the wintertime. So. As the one Floridian on the show, I have a question. <laughs> what is winter? <laughs> yes, of course. I knew you were going to go there. I know. I just knew. Can, I, can, I just, can I just say, though, uh, with, with all sincerity... Ian's knowledge on stuff like this, uh, I learn something new every time we talk about this stuff on the show. Um, and if I'm learning new things, I know our audience is learning new things, and I am just floored by the depth of knowledge this man has <laughs> living over 200 years on this earth. It's just amazing what he's acquired. <laughs> hey, his name is Ian Pavelko, not Dick Clark. <laughs> but uh, Dick, Dick had more hair than I did, so... You ever see the Far Side cartoon? It's one of my favorites. Suddenly, in front of millions of television viewers, Dick Clark ages 200 years and 30 seconds. I always love that one. Nice. I miss Gary Larson. He was the best. All right, moving along. We have another call to, uh, to talk about. This one comes uh, courtesy of our friends at Tesla Roddy. Um, the International... What is it? The International... <laughs> I can never remember. The Insurance Institute for Highway, Highway Safety. Safety. Yes, the IIHS. Um, different body than NHTSA. Uh, they are going to, or they have tested um, as of Wednesday. So today's Thursday, so likely yesterday. Um, they were going to do another independent test, this time of some crash testing on the Model 3. Now, last year, they um, tested the Model 3 just cursory. I don't think they crash tested it. Um, and they came back with some information saying that um, they gave it um, a good rating. Here's the article, by the way. And this is the tweet they sent out. The 2018 Tesla Model 3 uh, earns a good rating for its standard LED reflector headlights for models built after June 2018. Previous models earned an acceptable rating. That was about the only fault they could find with the car from a design standpoint. Now, we do know that Tesla's redesigned some of the headlights. They've redesigned lots of parts and stuff, but the headlights, um, especially when this came out, um, that um, they certainly uh, redesigned the headlights on the car. Um, so IIHS is the Insurance Institute, and they run a different set of crash tests than NHTSA does. So even though NHTSA gives them a five-star, you know, safety rating and stuff, um, the insurance companies look at this as well. Now, this is different because the cars are not supplied by Tesla, in my understanding. They actually go out and buy the car, and they test it on their own. So 
Uh, hopefully sometime in the next few months, we'll be able to see exactly what the crash rating is on this car. Um, if it's below subpar or whatever, you can imagine that Tesla will want that information so they can go back and make any changes and stuff. I mean, Model 3 is still going to be a safe car, irrespective of what they find with this. But um, I don't know. What do you guys think about this? I mean, it's I think it's high time. It surprises me that these guys wait so long to do the testing. Like, why do they wait so long instead of doing it right about the same time that NHTSA can get it? Any ideas? Well, part of it is when the vehicles are made available to them. And also part of it is when they decide to do testing for other vehicles. So it could just very well be that whatever their calendar was scheduled for their test uh, setup, just Model 3 couldn't fit into the same time frame. Mm. Okay. Well, I find it interesting about the headlight thing. We'll talk about that here <laughs> shortly. Um, so anyways, look forward to that. Uh, as soon as we get some more information um, and the test results of this and stuff, we'll, uh, we'll let everybody know. Like well, I said, there's going to be short, short, <laughs> short show tonight. I just wanted to throw one thing in there. Um, we, um, I don't know if any, either you guys got a chance to read that rebuttal letter from Tesla about um, the whole um, controversy, of course, with the fact that they claim the Model 3 is the safest car and, and go through all the data, et cetera. And then, of course, it was, uh, what, about a year ago that I think um, they got that uh, admission from from NHTSA saying, well, you can't claim this, you can't claim that. And I thought they brought back a brilliant technical rebuttal saying, no, we didn't claim anything out of sorts. Everything we listed is factual. And if you look at the actual hard data, not this arbitrary five-star system, which of course 40% of the cars are able to achieve now, um, we have data to back up our claims. So that's, you might want to post a link to that one, Trev. I thought that was I, really- I, I did. And it, it's worth uh, noting though, too, is that, that that was from October, I think it was of last year. So there's this guy that's on the internet. He's a bit of a shady character, I think in a lot of ways. He's been digging up some dirt uh, and digging up the stuff. And he's trying to stir up the pot a little bit. So it's a little bit old news, but it, I think it's important to note. I mean, if, if you read the article or the rebuttal letter, there's there's a nice little subtle dig at the NHTSA at the end. Like Tesla, <laughs> Tesla always seems to get their little dig in there at the end. And like, well, we're just trying to do our best. We're hoping that you guys get the rest of the manufacturers to get their acts together. I thought that was yes. brilliant. <laughs> done. So anyhow, um, the next uh, article we want to talk about here uh, is courtesy of the Philadelphia Inquirer. Eric, you want to tell us about what uh, is going on in Wawa? Sure. So Wawa, for those who do not know, is a major um, kind of like a gas station slash convenience store uh, slash amazing hangout uh, day club sort of experience. Uh, a lot of people like going to Wawa's, especially here in Florida since they've opened up. Uh food, smoothies, all kinds of good stuff. Anyway, so Wawa's here in the U.S., and there are 16 locations throughout uh, North America where Wawa's are located uh, where they have Tesla superchargers at. Now, uh, there's only four states that have Wawa's with superchargers. Six of them are in New Jersey with the seventh one opening up in this, by December of this year. Uh, there's three in Delaware, two in Virginia, and five here in Florida. So uh, the link to the story will be posted uh, in our notes for uh, the video and for the podcast notes. Uh, but that being said, Wawa, which is based in Pennsylvania, uh, has gone on the record to say that they're going. Uh, there are plans in place to double their locations from 16 to 32 by the end of 2020, uh, where they have Wawa's and Tesla superchargers. Now, in most of those locations, they have eight stalls uh, for Tesla superchargers. 
only one location has any electric vehicle charging for anything that's not a Tesla. Uh, and that is partnered through, I want to say it's with Levy America. Yeah, Electrify America, excuse Electri me. Yeah, that's the Volta Yeah, Electrify America. America. So they, they have a, a station that's actually one of them. Um, and that's in Pennsylvania, that location does. And those e Electrify America stations can do CCS, Chatamo, uh, 1772, what have you. So um, this is kind of a big deal, uh, you know, as Wawa's continue to expand, especially here uh, in the Southeast, uh, as more locations do have more superchargers, that's a great benefit to both the customers. Because again, superchargers are typically at places where there are things to do while your car is charging. Of course, as we talked about in last week's episode with V10 coming, um, you're going to probably be in your car for a bit of it. But if you wanted to be able to run into Wawa, get yourself a bite to eat, head back in your car and watch a Netflix movie for 20 minutes, uh, you're able to do that, which is going to make cool it thing. quick though, because the charging is getting so fast now you hardly have time to do anything. Well, the intri and that's, that's something of interest. So because these Wawa's are based on the East coast, again, New Jersey, Delaware, Pennsylvania, and Florida, we don't have V3 supercharging here on the East coast yet. So I don't know it's when coming. they're, it's coming. We know that we just don't know when. And, on average, somewhere in the world, a new station opens up, a, a supercharging station opens up every 18 to 24 hours. So it's, it's pretty significant um, just how vast this network is becoming. Um, and to have businesses like Wawa partnering with Tesla to offer solutions for their customers is a benefit to both Tesla and, of course, the business. So this is good news for those who are fans of Wawa who will find locations and go, wait a minute, why don't you have a charging station here? It is at least in the plans. Again, we're talking really just a little bit over a year uh, of them doubling up their stations to 32. So that's, that's awesome. Uh, that's good news. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Great mm -hmm. news. More chargers, the better. The more uh, the more variety is always um, certainly welcome as well. Oh, yeah. The next article we want to talk about is courtesy of our friends at uh, Clean Technica and uh, written by none other than our good friend Kyle Field. How you doing, Kyle? I haven't seen you in a while. Actually, I met Kyle <laughs> for the first time at the uh, Model Y. Uh, reveal event. Really nice guy. Anyhow, uh, so apparently uh, advocates band together to clean up Tesla's supercharging stations. Now, this is kind of a thing that's been going on for some time now. Um, obviously, when you're traveling and you're going to these superchargers, um, because they're they're not really maintained by Tesla in the sense from the actual property itself, that <sighs> there's a lot of garbage. Like people are turning into pigs in a lot of ways. I don't know what's going on. Um, and uh, we're we're running in a situation here that um, that some of the stations are, are turning into a little bit of a pigsty. So what's happening here is, is these people are getting together um, and they're going around cleaning up some of the stations. Now we also have here in Ontario the Tesla Owners Club of Ontario uh, a few months ago revealed that they have plans on at least for some pilot uh, locations of of uh, supplying um, uh, trash cans. Uh, now they haven't worked out all the details and stuff because you know these are on properties and they're trying to figure out like who's going to maintain them, who's going to clean them up. But I think it's I think it's good in the sense that I think you know what? Let's face it, we're custodians of this thing. We're going around. We're using these systems. It's I think it's up to us to not to be responsible about this kind of thing because I, I don't want to go to a supercharging station and seeing a diaper or a, a bag of fast food on the ground. I mean, you know, walk over and and. If they can put trash cans or whatever, I mean, some of the supercharging stations have what wind, uh, windshield washer fluid. I don't know who does that, but mm -hmm. I've, I've seen that on occasion. Yeah. Um, I think the I think that the trash thing is something that's duly that we really do need at these stations. Now, if it's a club thing, I think a club thing is is a, is a good start. Um, 
I don't know. What, what do you guys think? I mean, how are we going to deal with this? Because it's it's kind of a rock and a hard place, right? So so here's here are the two things that come to mind right as I read this story. Uh, the first is uh, there's a new IPCC report coming out, or at least it's been leaking out uh, about uh, some updates to the report from last year. And one of the things in there is uh, land use and uh, effects on climate change and solutions and all that sort of thing. It is a weird dichotomy uh, that there are Tesla owners or those who are borrowing a Tesla car, Tesla drivers, uh, that are essentially driving a vehicle that is meant to be conscious of the earth, uh, the climate, uh, you know, not using oil and gas and that sort of thing, yet they're polluted, which is sort of counterintuitive to the whole reason why you get a car. Um, but for years and years and years, I've seen people who um, use their cars uh, as they would a kitchen counter. It's just, it's smothered in stuff. You know, I remember in younger days when I was uh, getting rides from friends in school, it's like, hey, just go ahead and move those things, shove them off the seat, put it in the back, whatever it is. Um, people, I, I remember uh, comments from people that would get in my car and go, gosh, your car is so clean. I'm like, well, why wouldn't it be? It's a transportation device. It's not a storage uh, resource. It's personal property. I take care of my stuff. Right. And, and that's the thing. Like, it's a $60,000 car that I'm driving. I'm not going to treat it like it's a garbage can. So... Hmm. One would hope it's incumbent. I think on everyone, if you see someone, you know, if you're at a charging station and someone just kind of haphazardly throws something, either say, Hey, Hey bud, do me a favor. Can would you mind picking that up and maybe dispose of it properly? Or, you know, maybe keep a, a bag in your car and you can kind of just dispose of things when you get to your destination, whatever it is. Um, but it's, it's a bad look. It really is a bad look when, when, you know, there's these charging stations that are ideally not at, Say, like here in Florida, we have some charging stations on the turnpike. That's a public location, and there are obviously uh, staffers that will go ahead and clear out the trash. But if you're at a Tesla leased space and there's, you know, there's no one else really kind of clean, like clean up after yourself, man. Like it's it just, it's that simple. Clean yeah. up after yourself. Don't, don't, you know, make a mess of it. If trash can's full, don't put more crap in it. You know, hold on to it, recycle it, do something. But, you know, don't don't pollute me. I'm going to make a point. I'm going to make a point of putting some garbage bags um, in the in the front or whatever. Mm -hmm. And if I see that, I'm actually going to pick it up. By the way, I want to mention there is a Twitter account you can follow. The handle is Tesla Adopt, but you can also, you know, uh, search for Adopt a Supercharger. Join up, follow them, um, get involved. If if you're a Tesla owner. Um, get involved with these guys. Follow these guys. Uh, you know they're tweeting out some stuff. So, anyways, highly recommended to, that you follow these guys. I'm actually, you know what? I'm going to follow them right now, and I'm going to turn on notifications. Boom! There you go. You got yourself another follower, guys. I love it. So, get out there, do your part. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's not a good look. I mean, if you're going to be part of the EV movement, it's uh, it's it's responsible. So, don't be an ice hole. <laughs> Give a or an EV hole or an EV hole, and and don't pollute. You know. Just what Smokey Bear says, right? No, was, wasn't it the little owl? I mean, I'm showing my age now, but they who's the little guy there? All I remember owl? is the crying Indian on TV. Okay, well, yeah, that's the classic. <laughs> who also was not an Indian, by the way. That's true. That figures. <laughs> the 70s. Oh, my God. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah. Good times, baby. Yeah, it's just, it's a bad look. Just, it really is. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's don't go there. Don't go there. All right. Well, uh, any last thoughts before we get into viewer questions? Yeah, um, I wanted to say something. Well, we do have to talk about our service thing, so no, but please go ahead. Um, so uh, I did want to say this at the outset of the show, but I'll, I'll certainly say it now, better late than never. Um, after we taped our show last Thursday, August 1st, um, in the days that followed, uh, there were some tragic events that happened 
uh, in El Paso, Texas, and Dayton, Ohio. Uh, these mass shootings uh, resulted in the loss of over 30 people, uh, some of whom were from Mexico. Uh, they were Mexican citizens. Uh, others, of course, were uh, U.S. citizens. And um, there's been a lot of conversation uh, in the public sphere uh, about the response <laughs> for this. Um, not to get political, I'm going to certainly avoid that. I have my own sentiments on the matter. Um, I just know that I've been struggling with this uh, the entire week. And and I'm someone who, um, you know, lives not far from Parkland, Florida. Uh, I work yeah, I in Parkland. I have friends who happen to teach at uh, at the school at Stoneman Douglas. So a lot of the stuff, you know, every time it happens, it just becomes very, uh, very uh, hard to kind of focus on other things. Um, just know, I wanted to say that uh, if you are a listener of the show and you happen to be from either of those two municipalities, um, you know, on behalf of all of us, our thoughts are with you. Uh, we wish you strength and courage and bravery and and the chance to heal uh, in this time of, of difficult strife. Um, you know, it's 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 a lot to contend with, and believe me, a lot of people are standing with you, hoping uh, we're able to kind of come through this somehow, some way. So, uh, again, uh, our, our thoughts and prayers are with you. Uh, it's the very least we could do where we're at, but, uh, yeah, even, even in this day, it's, you know, enough is enough and hopefully we can, we can get some change going in that direction uh, very soon. Appreciate the sentiment, Eric. We, we certainly feel the same way. I mean, here we're up north of the border. We watch what's going on. So it's tragic. Shouldn't be like that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I couldn't have said it any better. Well, having said that, I thought we'd take some time and uh, just kind of riff a little bit on uh, on a subject um, that uh, obviously is on everybody's lips these days, and that's uh, Tesla service. Um, I, w- I want to hear from you guys what your experience has been generally with uh, Tesla service. I'll let you guys begin. I'll talk about, I've had my issues with uh, Tesla service, um, but um, I want to hear from you guys. Ian, why don't you go first and tell us a little bit what your experience has been since you've had your car, which is almost uh, almost a year now, right? It's coming up September. Uh, yeah, be, well, end of September, month. so ten months right now, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it's been amazing so far. Uh, I have to say, from the day of delivery, I mean, of course, that was a little stressful with the contract thing, but other yeah. other than that, it was super smooth. I couldn't have been happier with the staff and how the car itself got delivered. Um, I had my first mobile visit in the winter when um, the very first big freeze we had when uh, the charge port froze and they um, they took it apart and drained it for me because it was water accumulation inside. But at the same time, I mean, this, the same day that happened, we got the update um, for the, um, the uh, locking pawl to disengage after charging. And I never had an issue with it again. So I was still running with that, you know, um, free, well, let's call it freeze prone generation one charge port for months but after that update I, I never had a problem with it but they still had a little tag on file that if there was an updated unit i would get it um, and your car sits outside and lives outside mostly like mine does right if 50 50 which 50/50. makes it worse right because if right. the car is constantly cold then generally it, it sort of repels the moisture but it's the heating okay. and you know it's like the heating and freezing and heating and freezing so it goes in the garage at uh, often at night and then goes outside and then of course with freezing rain and snow whatever all else it's it's a perfect a test case for charge boards, let's we say. We certainly had our, our, I mean, Model 3 really went through its first winter for yeah. Canada last year. Exactly. And uh, we certainly had a raft of, uh, of early issues, teething yeah. issues, of course. So, I mean, just to show you how good the service was, I called and same day, bang, they came out uh, to have a look at that. 
And uh, the next time I, I had a chance to try it was uh, when my spoiler got delivered. So that was pretty cool. Um, didn't have to do a thing. I just got an email from mobile service said, uh, hey, we got a spoiler for you. When would you like it? Um, picked a date. And um, Eric, the service guy, showed up literally within minutes of the promised time. Uh, came out, put it on the car. <laughs> and yeah. And uh, yeah, and, and, and you know, the, net, the end too is, but the, the, the Tesla service techs that I've had have been not only technically very knowledgeable and extraordinarily professional, but also very personable. You know, it's nice when you can ask the tech a question. He doesn't mind spending a minute or two showing you what's going on and talking about it, you know, and there's a certain level of enthusiasm. I mean, it's always a joy to work with a tech that clearly enjoys their work. And that's been my experience with them so far. So that just adds a whole extra dimension uh, to the thing. Um, and you always learn something, you know, it's like, oh, okay, little tidbits about various technical aspects of the car. So uh, that was visit number two. And uh, I mentioned at the same time that, you know, at some point there was supposed to be a new charge port available. And uh, as I showed um, a couple of weeks back on Twitter, and I think we talked about it on the show. We did. Exactly. There's the third revision charge port. So uh, he came back a couple of weeks later to the house. And again, it was a great experience. Here I am. I'm driving home from your place, actually, mm-hmm. in Ontario. And at one of the rest stops, I get a text. It's like, hey, it's Eric, the service technician, and I've got your charge board. You know, when are you going to be home? I'm like, well, around 5 o'clock. I'll see you then. So 5 p.m., bang. You know, I'm within minutes of me showing up at the house. White mobile service Tesla Model S shows up pulls out all the tools, bang, 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 new charge port, and takes the time, you know, to show me what the differences are, explain them, lets me take pictures of the units. I mean, where else do you get this kind of service? And this one was hilarious because the neighbors are all gathering around like, what's going on? And it's like, hey, what do you mean? You have to take your car into a service center? Oh, you my plebeian. God. That's so 2014. Oh, my God. You know, like, yeah. so I was really hamming it up and having fun with it. But no, I I, I, I can't, I couldn't be happier, you know, and I, I same thing when I go down, uh, I've only had to bring the car in once to the service center. That was to have the rear glass replaced. Oh, right. And it was the same thing. I mean, I showed up. I was buying another part. I mentioned it. And uh, the tech came out. And he said, oh, yeah, that's a stress crack. No problem. Do-do-do-do. Scheduled it. Uh, three weeks later, dropped the car off. As promised, got it back You know, 24 hours later. I mean, seamless. I, I, I have nothing but praise for the whole network. Uh, it is yet to fail me. It's been great. Mm-hmm. That's good to hear. How about you, Eric? Um, you've never really had any issues with your car. So there have been things that I've noticed about my car, minor things. Uh, for example, on the driver's side of my car, uh, in the A-pillar, uh, the inside paneling is sort of warped and distorted. It has been since I got the car. Um, I mean, the trim ob- piece. Right. But, it, but you know, it obviously doesn't... Um, just cosmetic. Right. It's just cosmetic. It's not a big deal. Uh, but I've noticed for a while and I, and I'm surprised I just now <laughs> got to doing something. Um, my headlamps, uh, the driver side has on the inner portion of the headlamp underneath the, uh, the housing has a, uh, uh, discoloration. There's almost like a yellowish hue to the, to the light. Now I haven't noticed any performance difference. It's just aesthetically, it looks pretty bad. It looks like if I had an other, you know, a non-Tesla vehicle that has plastic headlamp covers and that sort of gets cloudy and, and gross. Yes. It looks like that, but it's only, again, it's only that light and it's underneath the housing. So, um, so I, d- I decided to, with the new uh, update to the Tesla app to go in and actually make a service request. So I, uh, I'm at my desk, I put in the service request. I'm like, you know, what is it? I'm like, it's a lighting issue. I sort of put a brief description of what it is. 
you know, they submitted, it says mobile, sure. And then next thing you know, it's like, you know, what date do you want? So the earliest they had was for this coming Monday, uh, August 12th, between 1230 and 2.30 p.m. I'm like, perfect. I can leave my office. I can have lunch. It's going to be fine. Um, I submit it. Within two minutes of my submitting, I get a phone call from Tesla. And they're like, hey, um, we noticed that uh, you made this request uh, for your headlamp. I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, and it's for your driver's side? Yeah, okay. All right, we're, we're going to get the part ordered. If we don't already have it, we should have it. But if not, we'll have it ordered by Monday. We'll have the check come over. And, you know, they'll set it up. Probably should take about an hour. And, you know, so they give me all that information. Mm -hmm. And I'm like... And this is all within like five minutes. It's crazy quick uh, nowadays. Um, so I will give a, a follow-up on our show next week uh, when we're taping on August 15th as far as my review of, uh, of that service request. Um, I'm going to see if while he's there, if they can do uh, some other tweaks to the car. Like, hey, can you fix that paneling or, you know, other stuff. Um, I also, it's also, um, i trying to think... Um, what other other stuff I have, but I mean, they're all minor cosmetic things. I mean, there's nothing really major wrong with the car. Um, oftentimes, I don't get software updates as fast as I want to, even though I said, "Hey, advanced." Yeah. I'm on my home Wi-Fi, but those are those are minor things. But at least the very first thing I want to check is the uh, is the uh, the lights, the the headlight. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. Hi. I guess it's my turn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I've had my Model X for just over a year and a half. Um, I have made no bones about um, any of the issues I've had of the car. I've usually documented them. Um, my experience with the car, even though I've had... Um, most of them have been cosmetic. I had some early issues with the car. Uh, driver, passenger side door, um, window regulator went on the coldest day of the year when I took delivery in 2017, February, uh, in December. And it failed, and the window wouldn't go back up. Very next day, I called Tesla right away. They said, bring it back exactly like like the next morning. And they had it fixed for me, so that was great. Um, other than that, most of the issues I've had have been cosmetic. Um, I'll talk about something else. Remind me, and I'll talk about the door seals situation um, because there's something I want to talk about there for a second. Um, most of my issues have been cosmetic. The, the, the last thing that I had done that was cosmetic is I had some condensation on the passenger side rear um, tail light, which is fairly common on S's and X's, and uh, it never bothered me for like the longest time, and I just kind of went, you know what, maybe I should say something about this. Uh, so I made a request, and they said, yeah, no problem. Next time you're in, whatever, for part, we'll just swap it. So they certainly did it right when I was waiting. I didn't have to leave the car or anything like that, which was really, really awesome. Now, the last service visit that I just did was two days ago, and it had to do with a service bulletin that finally came about because and i did a whole video on this so if you haven't seen it uh, just watch it it's the last video that i that i did but anyways um so there's a service bulletin that came out because there was been a raft of model s's and x's built from about 2014 to about sometime in 2019 i don't know where the switchover happened but anyways it had to do with the front drive unit on those cars under hard acceleration depending on the height of the suspension you would get the shuddering and this vibration and I knew about it as soon as I got the car. I took it into Tesla. I had it documented just on the off chance that if I had an engineering fix or I had an out of warranty situation, they couldn't dock me for it. it just just me being proactive. Um, Bjorn Nyland, for example, I had his half shafts, which are the drive shafts that come out of the motor go to the wheels. He's had them change at least twice, never really fixed the problem. And uh, lo and behold, a service technician that I know sent me the service bulletin and says, look, they have a permanent fix for this. So... Okay, I called Tesla. I sent him an email, 
and I said, oh, by the way, there's a service bulletin. Um, what about it? Like within minutes, I get an email back that says, come in tomorrow. Like not an acknowledgement, just come in tomorrow. I'm like, okay. So I came in. Sure enough, they said, yep, no problem. Sign the paperwork. Here's a key for a Model S. Uh, come back later in the day, and we'll have the car ready for you. And sure enough, by the end of the day, uh, the car was ready. Of course, I was too far away to go pick up the car, so I waited the next day. Anyways, make a long story short, problem's been fixed, and it's awesome. The car is as smooth as silk, just the way it should have been. Now, why it took Tesla a year to fix this, I don't know. Maybe they had big fish to fry, but thank goodness they finally fixed this issue. Other than that, my service experience with Tesla has always been excellent. I've only had one mobile visit. Most of my other times, it's just like, oh, I happen to be in Lawrence. I'll just drop in, whatever the case may be. But I've always been treated very well. Even though they know me, I don't go out of my way. Uh, you know who I am. It's, it's That's not what it is. Everybody treats you really good. Every of the technicians that I've ever spoken to, either physical ones that work in the shop or the ones that have come out for mobile service, enthusiastic. They love their jobs. They work really hard. Um, I've seen turnover at Tesla, uh, but it's never been in the tech department that I've seen. It's always been at the retail level stuff. So I just have to say, so far, I mean, I've never had any accidents. Now, we hear horror stories about Tesla getting parts for fender benders and accidents and that kind of thing, you know, body shop related stuff. But, um, but there are, but there are issues with both sides of the fence. I have a friend of mine, uh, Rick, uh, who's in Ottawa and, uh, he has a model X. He bought his at the same time as myself. He had, um, a problem with a Falcon wing door it was in an accident. I, I don't remember exactly what the situation is. And he's been waiting for a Falcon wing door replacement for over a month. And, uh, they still don't have an ETA on that part. So there are, edge cases for everything um but i'm just saying my experience so far has, has has been really good so i thought it was just important to just spend a little bit of time and just kind of just talk about it and stuff now i have to put it in a little bit of contrast because my prior car was a uh, uh a 2015 lincoln mkc and let me tell you i had that thing back of the dealer by my last count no less than 16 times and wow. including including the last visit when I went down, they put a new transmission in the car. Hmm. So you think that a company, I mean, everybody gives Tesla flack. But the thing is, is that you think a company like Ford has been in business for over 110 years, would have their collective you-know-what together. But no car is perfect. But my experience with that service compared to Tesla's service is that even though my Model X has not been into service quite as many times, it's always been frictionless. It's never been stressful. It's never been like, oh, you know, we'll take you home. We'll drive you home. It's always like, here, just take a loaner and go. With with Ford, I never got a loaner. It's always like, well, we'll, we'll bring the shuttle guy around. We'll drive you home. And then it's, like, you know, and you're always talking to a desk guy. You're never talking to the actual technician. That's the thing with, with Tesla typically is if I'm not talking to the desk guy, it's always the technician who's going to work on the car. And that's, I've never seen that before. So there's like a, there's a level of disconnect with the traditional dealer model. And I'm not knocking the dealer model. It's just what we have to deal with. It's just the way things are. But with Tesla, it's, it's, you're, you're much, it's, it's, I don't know what it is. It's just, there's less of a disconnect in there. So, um, Anyways, and, and the other thing, too, is in probably what you guys have experienced, uh, communications, at least with the service aspect, at least for me and obviously for you guys, um, I don't know if it's since the last software update uh, that they put on the phone or whatever, but uh, response time seems to be pretty quick. Mm -hmm. um, and I've seen definite improvements in terms of that. Now, one can talk about um, Tesla's retail level <laughs> communications, which are, are quite lacking in, in a lot of ways. And that's, I think that's a little, 
that that's something that Tesla needs to, to work on um, because there's a lot of people that they're obviously ordering all kinds of cars and they're not getting any communications until like the last second and like now they're caught scrambling trying to deliver the cars and it's yeah. always worse at the end of a quarter because Tesla pushes so hard at the end of the quarter so that's something they need to smooth out um, but I think on the service side of things, we're in pretty good shape outside of the fact that, um, you know, waiting for parts in really bad cases in terms of accidents and stuff like that. So um, I just wanted to say that. Now, I wanted to spend just a couple of minutes here, and I don't mean to monopolize the conversation here, but I want to talk about door seals. <laughs> I did a post. Do whatever you want. You know what? I have to talk about door seals because there there is one thing that bothers me the most about Tesla cars in their door seals. I'm sorry. And I'm sorry if I offend anybody out there, but they, they are poor. Um, one of the things that bothers me the most, I mean, Tesla's been making the Model S for seven years now. And one thing that bothers me, it doesn't matter what age of the car, it doesn't matter if it's a brand new one in the showroom or it's seven years old at 2012. You're talking about the Model S, right? Because model, model S. Did I say something else? You said X, and I was confused. No, no, it's I like... meant Model. I know S and X sound so similar. I'm talking about the Model S. I'll talk okay. about the S and the three in a second, or the X and the three. Model S. They have not fixed the door seals. And one of the things that bothers me the most with the Model S is, doesn't matter how old the car is, but the door seals, it's like the lip is too short. It's like a quarter inch too short. And it and the door seals um, always curl under. So, and and it's, you know, I watch videos and then I see this door seal like beside on the B pillar and it's halfway down, it's curled under. I just want to reach through the TV and put my finger in there and go and just like level it back out. OCD much? Yeah, yeah, it, it drives me nuts. So anyway, so seven years, they still haven't fixed that problem. Um, Model X door seals um, don't exhibit that problem, and I have not seen it exhibited on the Model 3. Um, I think the door seals are generally a little bit better on both of those cars than the Model S. The other thing that bothers me um, is Tesla's use of adhesives to hold the door seals on. Uh, on my car, I've had uh, one, two, three, four door seals replaced, so... One on a Falcon wing door on a bottom lip and uh, two or three others, whatever, on the driver's side or the passenger side. Um, I don't know what it is. The adhesive that they use to hold the door seal on eventually dries out. I don't know if it's subpar. I don't know what they're using. But anyways, after a year or so, it tends to dry out and then it pops off and it sags. Now, typically, they will just um, put some new adhesive on. I've even patched it myself, just to, but I've had them actually replaced. Now, I've seen other car manufacturers, they tend to use... Um, seals that have a little clip built in and they have holes in the body panel and they just clip them in. Um, yes, uh, some of them use adhesives as well, but that's the other thing that bothers me. I happened to look at my wife's car today. She has a, a, a brand new Volkswagen Golf. Let me tell you, Volkswagen, they know how to do door seals. <laughs> uh, and there's been a lot of discussion, of course, on the internet, and it's going to be here in the um, in the uh, comment section of, uh, uh, of our questions here a little bit um, about what can we do to improve um, the door seal situation? So I have my own thoughts on that. I did a whole post. I'll try and remember to put a link in the uh, in the podcast description. You guys can read uh, what I did on there. And I put photographs so you understand what I'm talking about. But I think if there's anything that Tesla needs to improve on their car is the door seal situation. It still bothers me. They still haven't gotten it right. So um, if they were to fix that, I think um, most of my issues as far as the cars are concerned would kind of go out the window. So, By the way, we now have a title for the show. Yes, yes. Pages Pet Peeves. <laughs> damn you door seals <laughs> all right I, i'm gonna throw one more thing on the service pile over there because it's not technically service but i it's one thing i find extraordinarily bizarre about how tesla does parts compared to any other dealer and on the odd occasion that i've had to go in and just buy a loose part 
it's this strange antiquated system whereby the person at the service counter will write up the invoice for the part, and then they appear to put a request in to some person in the back half yes. of the building who manages the parts. And more often than not, it seems to be a technician that gets picked to be a gopher. It's as if there's really no parts person in the it's operation. It's like going to Victoria's Secret. Well, Everybody has the headphones, right? It, you need underwear. You need underwear. Yeah, something akin to that, although Don't the time that. lag that it takes is... It, Reminds me, remember, remember, you're you're an old Canadian, Trev. Remember consumers, distributors? Yes, I do. I that was that. A story. Remember when when you placed your order, you had to write your order on a little piece of paper, and mm -hmm. they'd put on one of those vacuum tubes and go whoop mm -hmm. into the ceiling, and it would vanish. And then you know, some guy from the warehouse would show up twenty minutes later with your coffee maker or whatever it was, or it would come out on the conveyor belt. Well, that's what it's like. I mean, I sat. I remember. Um, I forget the name of the store. I was um, in the Bay Area where I had to buy an adapter to work on uh, Fred's dryout in his garage. But yeah, I sat there for 20 minutes waiting for someone to appear with this little part in her hand. Meanwhile, if the person had written the invoice, it just ran in back to a bin location and grabbed it like any other dealership, I would have been gone in five minutes. And the same thing happened when I had to get that uh, piece of rocker trim under the bottom of uh, my Model 3. I stood there and I stood there and they were really nice. It's like, can we get you a coffee? Can you do that? Like, no, I, I, I just, just want, want my part. part. <laughs> you know, like, did you so order it? Zimbabwe? Like, where is that going from? I will give you an analogous story. Uh, okay. during, a, during a time that I worked for um, a company you might have heard of, uh, it's called Apple. So <laughs> Apple, I know, right? So Apple has this system now where um, if, you're in the, if you're in the team in the sales floor and you get a request from a uh, customer, like, hey, I want to just get uh, this iPod or I want to get, uh, you know, this accessory for my Mac or whatever it is. Most of the stuff can be found on the floor. You want to get simple, a case or something, it's on the floor. You basically now with your Apple Pay can scan it, pay for it, you're out the door, which that's a surreal experience on its own for a consumer. It is. But, big, but bigger ticket items, of course, require someone grabbing it from the back. So the specialist on the floor puts a request in on their, uh, on their mobile device, and then you wait. And then someone like uh, myself, who was on the inventory team, would basically get the request you know, one of us goes, hey, I got it, I got it. And then, you know, you basically go to the thing, you scan it, make sure it matches, and then you just run it out. Um, now, granted, we're faster at this. I mean, I think the longest I ever had someone wait was like four minutes because we were scrambling to find where this uh, dang computer had gone to. Mm -hmm. um, but I but I mean, 20 minutes is kind of a long time. But but even even with that being said, more and more companies are sort of parsing out this work responsibility. Um to having someone who just manages the inventory. That's their that's their foray. That's the thing that they know is where this part is, if it's been moved, they know where it is, how many are in the house, et cetera, et cetera. And they just run and grab it. Um, now, if the team, if the day you were there at that dealership, they had a team of one, and the guy had like seven different requests from the service guys in the bay or you know whatever they were doing, maybe that's why there was a long delay. Um, I don't think he was like running down the street to some nearby parts store and be like, <laughs> Got to run down to Pep Boys. <laughs> I need to. I need to get uh, a TD one two seven. Do you have that? No. Dang it. So, yeah. So more and more um, companies are shifting to that to I, that uh, that idea. I think it's. I think it's important to also mention too, just in case people haven't paying attention, whatever. But if you listen to the last earnings call, 
Um, Elon did say one of the things that they want to do for service is to be more like a grocery store. They they want to send more common parts and have them like on a shelf so they can go and just pick it off the shelf rather than having to order it out of a warehouse or have it shipped up and stuff. So yeah. um, I'm looking forward to that. That will be nice. Um, and I agree with you 100%. Ian, the last time I went to Tesla service, I, I decided to go in, not for service, I just wanted a couple of parts. I wanted to buy some new windshield wiper blades and a new cabin filter and it's exactly what they did they said okay and it's just okay johnny can you bring it up and sure enough they you know walked it out of the cage so anyhow all right well let's take a break and uh, we'll hear from our sponsor we'll come right back and we'll start answering some uh, viewer and listener questions fine lab has aligned protective coatings that were engineered to protect your tesla's paint leather carpet plastic and wheels effectively blocking all those uv rays and environmental factors before they ever get to ruin your brand new baby fine lab offers a complete line of car care products and ceramic coatings for both the do-it-yourselfer and professional detailers did we mention we also have the world's first self-healing coating check us out at finelab.com that's spelled f-e-y-n-l-a-b to see the science behind the self-healing check out our product catalog and click contact us for a free quote from a certified installer in your area Fine Lab and Tesla. We were meant for each other. All right. Well, this is the part of the show where we answer viewer and listener questions. Now, for those of you who don't know where these questions come from, if you're a first-time viewer or listener, uh, we pick them on Twitter, usually the day before or the day of of the podcast. So make sure you follow me, Model 3 Owners, on Twitter uh, for a Google form that we publish, and you can send in your questions. So having said that, the first question comes from Wilson. He says, Elon, via tweet and email via Tesla, had mentioned that those who bought full self-driving, also known as FSD, before the end of February would get access to the early access program. That's not an enhanced autopilot. Um, I know that they've enabled the advanced software update setting in the cars, which pushes the latest uh, release build to our cars, but many of us know this isn't EAP. I still haven't received an invite to EAP. I took delivery of my Model 3 in October, uh, and I'm wondering if anyone has actually received an invite triggered by purchasing FSD, or if Tesla has dropped the ball sending out the invites. Will Tesla ever deliver on this promise? My understanding is that getting access to the early access program was for those had bought full self-driving at the time of purchase of the car prior to this whole brouhaha going down. Correct me if I'm wrong. I thought that was kind of one of the things for the early adopters that bought FSD, that they would get access to the early access program as a, as a mulligan or as a, as a, as a thank you. And I'm not aware of anybody personally that's that's in the um, enhanced uh, or the early access program. I got to keep that. <laughs> got to keep the acronym straight here. Um, I mean, the first rule of EAP is you don't talk about it. So <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, Wilson. To, to be honest with you, I think there's a bit of a disconnect here as far as understanding is concerned. I'm just kind of going back with what Tesla had said that people that had bought FSD. Not during the price drop or anything like that, but had actually purchased it at the time of the car or prior to this whole thing going down. We get it. So I, I can't really read here exactly when you bought it uh, uh, as to know as whether you qualify or not. So I don't know. Any thoughts, guys? I got nothing. No, I got nothing. No, no. Sadly, I, I'm the same, at the same as you, Trev. That's what I would have answered. And then again, it's mm. sort of an educated guess. Okay. Sorry. Well, uh, sorry, Wilson. We don't have a definitive answer on that. Um, again, try Tesla again and see if they can give you a better answer. If if, if I can find out, um, we'll 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 know. But um, I I do know that the early access program you have to be invited and it's done on a 
per basis. It, it just kind of shows up. You can't ask for it. Mm-hmm. So, yes, some people that got FSD were supposed to get this, but I don't know anybody personally who has uh, who's been invited to that. Um, all right, so next question comes from uh, Elias. He says, why is Tesla not using mechanisms like iRobot to charge its vehicles out at the supercharger? Thus, the Teslas could park and charge themselves without expensive uh, snake charger. Um, well, first of all, I'm going to assume that you're thinking about a robot that would go underneath the car and do some kind of inductive charging, maybe? Um, I think there's too many losses with that. Yeah. Uh, just like Tesla did a few years ago when they did the demonstration of the battery swap thing. Turns out people didn't want to pay. They want free supercharging, and they want convenience to plug in and plug out. So that's what won. The snake charger thing, yeah, they showed it a few years ago, but ever since then it's been uh, really quiet. Um, and, of course, the robot taxi thing is still not here. So I think this kind of thing will probably play out a little bit more maybe in the next couple of years i don't think it's going to happen by the end of this year but in the next couple of years once the robot taxi fleet um, actually comes out or they start working on it uh, they may start deploying it much like they did with v3 just a few stations to, st- to test uh, to start with and kind of go from there so good question we don't have the exact answer on that but i think um that the automated charging thing is definitely something they have to do in some shape or form uh, what form that will take i we have no idea at this point. So, uh, Next question comes from Matt. He says, hey, guys, would you consider soundproofing your Model 3? Uh, would you have a professional soundproof uh, or buy the strips and do it yourself? So I think Matt is asking uh, one of two questions here. So um, there are people that are very much into uh, audio in cars, and they will, put, uh, they will strip out the interior and put something what's called Dynamat. That's a North American brand. Uh, in the car, which is a soundproofing, it's a thick material, it's kind of a rubberized stuff, and they stick it on the body panels, and that deadens the inside of the sound, keeps the rattling down. Uh, Bjorn, uh, Bjorn Nyland, for example, just did that to his performance Model 3 in Norway. Uh, um, just watch his channel, and you'll see what he did. Um, the other thing that Matt is mentioning here is that there is a, a few Chinese companies that are offering this um, weather stripping kit um, that has several pieces uh, specifically for the Model 3s where you can um, stick it, um, around the doors, um, acting as a double seal, so to speak, much like I mentioned a little bit earlier in the show with my wife's uh, car. Um, I personally, my personal opinion here is uh, that's something that I would consider doing if I had a Model 3, um, because I think it's cheap enough to do, and if it does help keep at least the dust out, because that's one of the issues, uh, you know, uh, without the double seals and stuff, when you open up the doors, you still get dust on the, you know, on the on the on the door jams and stuff um whether it cuts the sound down um there's been several videos that i've seen online where people have done this and they've tested it and some people are claiming one decibel zero decibels some people are saying 10 it's all over the map so i think um your mileage will vary on this but i think for the cost of the kit i can't hurt doing i will mention that uh, most of the videos i've seen where people put this in at least at the back doors uh, because it's a P strip, it's a thicker strip that they put on the backside. Um, it take it's a little harder to close the back door. I think maybe until uh, the seal kind of settles in or softens up a little bit. So don't be surprised if you put it on and you have to give your door a good shove. It does make the door sound better though when you go clunk them. Get a good sound. So, anyways, uh, let's see here. Next question comes from Steve. I read somewhere that Teslas don't use regenerative braking and regular braking at the same time. Is this true, or is it the case where an autopilot is slowing down? Uh, when it's slowing the car down. Um, My understanding is that it uses a blend, but it's not as aggressive as, say, like a Nissan Leaf. Nissan Leaf. Sorry, Eric. (laughs) You took me to task earlier for calling it that. Potato, potato, right? Um, Yeah, that's right. Uh, What was the name of that car company there in Gung Ho? Asan Motors, right? We talked about that. 
Anyways, um, yeah, so Nissan, also known as uh, Datsun back in the 70s, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, they use a blend. Uh, uh, their one-pedal driving, or their e-pedal as they call it, uses a blend of regenerative braking and physical braking. How much a Tesla does that, I don't know, but there is definitely some braking involved when you do the regen. So if you're traveling fast and you let off on the accelerator, regen kicks in first, and then later on there's probably a little blend, uh, a little bit of a blend of braking. I, I can dial in that answer a little more precisely. As far as I know, in the Tesla system, at no point when you're one pedaling it do the mechanical brakes engage until there's an emergency event. So okay. if you are on autopilot or if you're one pedaling it and the car intervenes because it's about to, it senses oh, about a collision, then the mechanical brakes are engaged. Well, absolutely, because regenerative braking is not strong enough to stop the Correct. car in, in those situations. So yeah. there's definitely braking involved. Yeah. So, so an, under normal driving where there's no threat of a collision, you're only ever going to get regen when you back off the accelerator. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're only going to get mechanical braking when you touch the brake pedal yourself. Uh, if the car is on autopilot and it needs to brake quickly for whatever reason, uh, then it's going to engage the mechanical brakes itself. But the two remain uh, separate in, in normal functions. Okay. Thanks for the question, Steve. Next question comes from Arvid. He says, do you think there will be a ludicrous software upgrade for the M3P? Model 3 performance? Anyways, he says, it, yeah. In Norway, Tesla some, uh, told some long-range all-wheel drive uh, with performance 0 to 60 kilometers an hour in 3.4 seconds. Um, well, we talked about this on the show before. We do know that the Performance Model 3 has definitely different drive inverters on it, so there's a physical upgrade that can't be retrofitted. There's probably a little bit of wiggle room they could probably do, but again, I think by this time, because they've done the software updates on most of the cars that have released more performance, more range, that I think they've, they finally, probably at this point, as far as we know, um, I don't know how much more tweaking they can actually do in the cars. I mean, there's probably a little bit of buffer still left. Yeah, there's there's definitely something on launch. Uh, Jay Pace and I are convinced. Oh, no, no. I agree 100%. On the Performance Model 3, if you've driven a P100D Ludicrous Model S and a Model 3 Performance, that first 20 miles an hour, 10 miles an hour, there's a definitive – I mean, there's a physical difference in how – I don't know if it's software tuned that way, but it's gentler on the Model 3 for sure. But once you get going, I mean, it kicks in for crazy. Right. So. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. It, it pulls plenty hard once you get oh, yeah. that 10, 20 yeah. miles an hour. But just off the line, there's that little softness to it. So maybe uh, we're lobbying for ridiculous mode. We don't that, want to that would be nice. I mean, usurp the hierarchy of, of the Tesla <laughs> modes. So, you know, like, you got to leave Ludicrous to the big boys. I respect that. But, I mean, I'd be happy with a ridiculous mode. Okay. Well, long live ridiculous mode. All right. All right, next question comes from Gabriel. He says, uh, Tesla told me that my car has been rust-proofed at the factory, which carries a 10-year warranty against corrosion, and thus nothing more needs to be done. Uh, do I rely on Tesla's warranty, or is it best practice to bring the car to a shop and apply rust-proofing treatment? This is something we've talked about before on the show. Um, there's nothing wrong if you want to do your own rust-proofing on the car, um, but I've spoken to uh, body shop people that are authorized to work on Teslas. The only thing they say is do not let any of these shops drill into the body cavity in any shape, wear, or form. Because of the dissimilar metals that Tesla's using in the car, if you drill into those critical areas, you could be introducing areas of, of premature corrosion. So get it sprayed if you want. It's up to you. Uh, you're not going to hurt anything. Um, but uh, do not let them drill into the car in any shape, way, or form. By the way, all Teslas, actually all modern cars these days, uh, the painting process on these cars is so controlled. Uh, the bodies literally are actually dipped in a vat of cleaning fluid first, because you got to degrease it. And in the case of aluminum, you got to etch it. We've talked about this before. 
And then the whole body is actually immersed in primer. It's not painted. It's actually immersed. It's bathed. So it actually gets inside all the little nooks and crannies and stuff. So when they say they have rust proofing, well, it's, it's primarily the primer and stuff. So, I mean, I haven't seen a lot of cars. I mean, I mean, Mazdas are particularly bad. If you look at a 10-year-old Mazda, they're full of rust. I don't know what the heck they're doing down there at Mazda, but uh, most cars are pretty good about anti-rust uh, anti these days. So anyways, thanks for the question, Gabriel. Hope that helps. Uh, next question comes from Daniel. It says, I just heard about FSD upgrade pricing, and I read through some comments that apparently the price has dropped to $2,600 Canadian back in March. Yes, that's true. Uh, it looks like this was all advertised online, but if you don't have a social media presence or follow it often, uh, does, it seems like you lose it. Will Tesla honor previous pricing um, in this given how they advertised it? Well, you have some bit of a respite because the price went back up again, and now it's back down to $3,000 right now, up until... August 16th? 3,000 US. 3,000 US up until August 16th. Your best thing, Daniel, is to look in your Tesla account. Whatever price you have listed there, that's what you're on the hook for. Um, I don't think there's any way to be able to get that particular, that fire sale deal that they had back in March. Some of us were lucky to get in on it. It's just one of those things. Um, if you're worried about pricing changes and that type of thing, yeah, you got to follow, uh, you know, Elon and social media, pay more attention. Um, but if you don't want to be upset about pricing, don't follow anything. <laughs> but that's a buy your car, be happy with it, stop looking. Otherwise, you just be upset. You know, Tesla's been dropping the prices and increasing prices left, right, and center. They mm -hmm. change their stuff more more often than most people sell, change their socks or underwear. So, anyways, I hope that helps. But um, yeah, uh, whatever your Tesla account shows is what you're going to have to pay um, for now. Uh, again, another public service announcement it is now August 8th. By the time you guys listen to this, it'll be the next day, August 9th. August 16th, the prices of FSD are supposed to increase at least $1,000 US. Call it $1,300 Canadian. So, uh, And they're likely to keep increasing up until somebody cries uncle, I guess. So whatever. Uh, let's see here. We're getting down. Last three questions. Next question comes from Chase. He says, if ordering a Model Y now does nothing... Uh, if, if ordering a Model Y now does nothing to lock in pricing, is there any benefit to ordering now? Given Tesla's history of starting with initial high prices and lowering over time, it seems wise to wait for until volume production starts and demand supplies stabilize. Yes, one could make a, uh, an argument for that uh, based on our experience with Model 3. I think in this case with the Model Y, the pricing situation, other than potential any changes with FSD right now, if you were to order one, I think the prices are pretty much locked in. Elon did say in the last... Um, Earnings call that they're hoping to, if, if they can get their pricing under control, that largely the Model Y will, will cost exactly what it does uh, on the Model 3. So I think if you buy now, you're protected against any particular price increases. The thing you have to remember about the Model Y is that it's not a deposit like it is a Model 3. You're actually ordering the car mm -hmm. in the configuration you want. You're allowed to make changes up until production starts and the issue of VIN. Uh, but it's a little different time, a different situation this time around. Uh, because now they're going to, I mean, they're using 75% of the parts. They're going to use some of the production line. Uh, so they're, if all goes well, they should be able to ramp up fairly quickly on this car. So they're they're taking a little different tack this time around with the Model Y. So um, if anything, you might benefit from any price decreases that happen down the road because Tesla's pretty good about that before the car goes into production. If the price uh, decreases, they certainly pass that on to the customer and stuff. So if you're thinking about it, um, yeah, you can order now, but um, it, it's probably wise for some people. If, you're, if you've got the jitters about ordering uh, first-year production of any new car, it's happened to lots of people, including myself, um, yeah, you might want to wait six months, a year for them to get some of the bugs worked out. All right, last two questions. Next one comes from Dion. 
says, uh, do you think Tesla should start the Tesla network now to get the bugs worked out and to get the data from the vehicles? Too soon. <laughs> Too soon. Yeah. FSD is not here yet. Now, they are working. I mean, look, they're using the fleet to train their AI systems. They're looking for disengagements. I mean, whether the robot taxi thing exists today or not, it's not the point. They're actually using the data. They're using the fleet to to learn and train their AI systems for the cars. But uh, absolutely, Eric is right. It's too soon to even talk about robo-taxis things. Um, regulation is not even in place yet. Um, they're not even feature complete. Cripes, we don't even have enhanced summon yet, and they've been talking about it for months. So I would temper your expectations as far as that's, uh, as far as that's concerned. All right, last question of the evening, and we can get out of here. It comes from Arnold. says, if an existing owner, if any existing owners purchase a new performance S or X, do they get le uh, free ludicrous upgrade? Um, yes. <laughs> well, yes, yes. Um, if you were a previous, just before they changed the pricing yet again and the, <laughs> the structures of the cars, um, if you ordered a Model S or an X and you were a previous owner, you would get the free ludicrous upgrade because they were charging $20,000 US for it. And now that they've changed all the prices, if you buy Performance S or X, ludicrous is just included. So um, it was basically a $19,000, $20,000 price drop. It's like Oprah. Everybody gets ludicrous. You get ludicrous. You get ludicrous. You get ludicrous. Well, you know what? Ludicrous, as far as, I'm under, as I understand with these cars, is that um, I think they're just putting it in all the cars, the hardware. It, it's a software switch at this point. It's just efficiencies um, as far as these cars are concerned. I mean, I mean, Tesla's been on this hell-bent thing for simplicity on the cars. They got rid of most of the configuration options on the cars. I mean, you pick your color, you pick your wheel size, you pick your seats, autopilot, yes or no, and off you go. It's, it's dead simple to order a car now. Uh, there was a time when you had dozens of different options and stuff, but they've been simplifying so much and so much now that it's like half of the stuff now is all software. I mean, SR Plus cars, they have most of the stuff in it other than, uh, you know, the sound system with the speakers and stuff. And they're, and they're mostly disabled via software anyway. So there's some decontenting going on via software. But um, anyhow, that's all I got. That's all I got. Woo. All right. Well, we're in the other show. Well, Ian, you want to go first there. Where can people find you if they want to have a chit chat with you on the internet? On uh, Twitter, you can find me. For those watching, the handle is right. Uh, Can't read it. Tell us. Here we go. I know. <laughs> so it's at Ian Bevelko. I'll spare you the agony. And uh, yes, uh, you can find me also on Tesla Owners Online Forum. The handle there is Mad. The best, the best place for all stuff. Tesla. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, please. A few people have asked me questions on Facebook or tried to messenger me there. I really, I'm on very, very, very seldom. If you manage to track me down on Facebook, I appear about three times a year. Um, at yes, go to the forum. Exactly, the forum is the hot spot. I don't. I certainly don't mind if you want to direct message me a question on Twitter if it's something pointy and and something specific. But broader, broader questions, you know, on on larger issues. Yeah, let's go to the forum. There's there's wonder, and I mean not just me. There's thousands of people on there discussing stuff at any time. It's a huge repository of great knowledge on all things Tesla. So I strongly recommend you show up there. And if you had something specific for me there, then just tag me somewhere and um, put my handle, Matt Hungarian. I'll be glad to respond. Uh, last thing is if you are looking for some uh, fine Tesla wear, there is always the uh, Mad Hungarian Evolve Wear Shop uh, at teespring.com. And drum roll, please, from one of Here we go. Is this it? Is this it? Yes. You sure? 
I actually, moments before we started recording the show tonight, I finished the artwork for the Model Y design. Woohoo! Yeah, and I, I was hoping to have it posted up, but those turkeys at Teespring, for whatever uh, reason, oh. I love them. The service has been great. I, I shouldn't be slamming my vendor, but uh, for whatever reason, they no longer take EPS files, so I wasn't able to upload them. company that is. I can yeah. convert it for you if you want to send it to me. Yeah, I figured I would, uh, yes, throw myself on the mercy of uh, Mr. Page's talents, and we'll we'll get the file figured out tomorrow. So, yeah, be be on the lookout in the next uh, day or so. Model Y Evolve shirts coming to a Teespring shop near you soon. Link will be in the video description. You can check out a shop. And uh, as soon as the T-shirt shows up, let me know, and I'll tweet it out, and we'll get it out to the masses. Awesome. Awesome. Great. Eric, since you're on screen, tell us where people can find you if they want to have a chit-chat with you. You guys can find me on Twitter. The handle is ECFIX. That is E-C-F-I-X on Twitter. Uh, you can also find me on other places on social media, but I don't disclose those because, you know, I don't <laughs> want to. One, one platform is already one too many. There's too many social media platforms. Yeah, too many. But all, when, you know, I, listen, I know there's Snapchat and TikTok and Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and... Grinder and... I, and I can't do this. Can I? Can I just be the guy in the room that says, "Grandpa, I don't think you understand what grinder is." Get off my lawn! <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you for that, Eric. And uh, lastly, well, if you want to have a chit chat with me, I'm very, uh, very active on Twitter. The handle's Model Three Owners. Check out the forum at uh, Tesla Owners uh, Online.com. The handle there is Trev P. Very active there, keeping everybody in line. And uh, lastly, I want to say a great big thanks to our three sponsors this evening. That is uh, Fine Lab, Ceramic Coatings, the great guys at Doolaban Insurance, if you want some Tesla insurance here in Ontario, and our great friends at EvanX for all the Tesla accessories. Those guys have been awesome. Great sponsors right from the beginning. That's it for this time, and uh, we'll have some special stuff going on next week. So make sure you tune in a little bit later next week for some fun stuff that we'll be talking about. So good night, everybody, and we'll uh, talk to you the next time. Thanks for watching and listening, no matter where you happen to be. 